Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome back. Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan. And uh, here, just getting into season three. Um, already having uh, so much fun. The the online mic that we're doing, everyone is popping in there. It's getting better and better. People's feedback is so good. If you haven't done that yet, uh, make sure you hop in on most Tuesdays. You can email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com to get on the list. And we'd love to hang out with you and work some bits out. Uh, it's super fun. Yeah, so every Tuesday night, we do it at 9 to 10 Eastern time, or most Tuesday nights, I should say, Drew. And we just we give you five minutes of time and then three minutes of feedback. It's comics from all over the world. These are international, and I've gotten tags I've used on stage. Drew, I know you have, and I'm, I've given tags, and it's just a, a really creative and safe space. So email us, breakingdownbits at gmail.com. Uh, Sunday, Monday, somewhere in there, and we'll get you on one of those mics. Yeah, why, why write your own jokes when someone else can write them better than you? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, also, please, if you haven't already, uh, like, subscribe, share, listen to all of our past episodes, tell a friend. BreakingDownBits.com is your portal to all of that great stuff. It's also, Drew, where you can find our last episode. Maybe a good time to get into callbacks. Uh, what do you have for our interview with Jessica Watkins? Jessica Watkins is great. I love what she's doing, releasing her, this documentary slash uh, stand-up special. To me, I think what I really took away from it is more about, uh, and you may disagree, because it is always about being funny in comedy, of course. That's, uh, that's to be uh, understood. But I, I just really loved her sharing so much about her personal self and her personal life and her struggles. And I identify with that. And I feel like as as well as being funny, if you can share something actually personal, actually real, give people something to hang on to, it's a really good thing too. And I, I want to do and, and continue to do more of that in my comedy so that people hopefully enjoy the funny, but also after the set, they I like it when they feel like they kind of get to know me a little bit uh, and there's a little more of a connection there. That's something I personally enjoy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, she did absolutely open up the doors into her personal life through this journey in this documentary. And it was very well done. And it, one of the things that I think really contributed to her being able to execute on this, and it took her some time. There's there's a yeah. commitment to putting something this good together. I mean, gosh, Drew, when did she start this? In, in 20, uh, 2014 is when she made the walk. So it's been, she said she was editing for five years or something like that, just working through different you know, it's she shot like 300 hours of video so yeah. to go as an editor and someone who works in video editing. Uh, that is a task that is insane. So so my callback is, is you know, that those types of things take work, but they're so valuable in so many ways. And one of the so many great takeaways from how she executed. So uh, leveraging her network. And one thing I, I love, a little nugget in there, Drew, you produce a lot of videos, uh, bringing in a storyteller to help you. If you're directing and editing and doing all the stuff, which I know you do for your for your uh, program, New to Drew, uh, bring in somebody to come back, come in on top of that and make sure it's fit into a story. I thought that was really smart. And then also talking about crowdfunding to, to, to fund some of these larger projects that, that you're excited about. Uh, so, so much in there and, and just uh, such an incredible journey. And she's going to be letting us know soon when that 
drops. It's called Specialist by uh, Special Ish, excuse me, by Jessica Watkins. And uh, that's a great point. Sometimes, you know, you need an outside perspective. That's why we go on stage to get the audience perspective on our jokes. And so if you're doing something creative, sometimes some fresh eyes some fresh ears, uh, never a bad thing. And if you find an expert in storytelling and partner with them, who knows, like, I love to be collaborative. And I, I feel like so sometimes comedy can or stand up comedy can feel like a, just a lone wolf kind of thing. But um, if you can find the right collaboration, I think you can really you can really up your game. Absolutely. So get out to get out there if you haven't already and listen to that interview with Jessica Watkins. Also, please follow us, tag us on social media. You can find us everywhere. Breaking down bits or breaking down bits. Uh, except Twitter, which is 15 characters or less. So it's breaking down bit, bit. one bit. Uh, and one quick, quick, quick plug before we bring in our guests. I don't want to make our wait much longer. Uh, we're we're going to, Drew and I are heading to Lafayette, Louisiana, to not the best beer garden, the worst beer garden. <laughs> uh, and we'll be working with Ian Lara, who's a past guest on the show. Uh, we'll be featuring for him out there. So if you're in Louisiana near Lafayette, come check us out. That's March 12th at the worst beer garden. And then of course, March 13th, we're gonna do it all over again at, at here in Houston, Texas at my show, The Riot with Ian. So uh, some yep. cool things going on here on stage for the Breaking Down Bits crew. Anything else, Drew? Now let's do it. Let's let's get started. Adrian Appalucci is a writer, comedian, and podcast host who made her stand-up debut on NBC's Last Comic Standing. She's appeared on Netflix's Degenerates, this week at the Comedy Cellar, The Late Show with David Letterman, and Gotham Comedy Live. She was a featured performer at JFL's New Faces, and she won the first ever People's Choice Award at the New York Comedy Festival. She also co-hosts the popular weekly podcast Vag with Sarah Tolomash. Wow, Adrian Apolucci, how are you? Okay, I don't think I made this any better. <laughs> I love that. I love that color. That wall is so awesome, though. Thanks. Um, I'm gonna have to just leave it like that. I think you're good. Okay, you're great. Yeah, how are you as well? I'm good. Hanging out with you guys. Um, and then after this, I'm gonna take a nap. Yes. I'm pretty much in pandemic on on a baby schedule. I pick uh... up for like an hour or two at a time, then I just go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll, what I'm doing. <laughs> I like that. I feel like the work from home schedule has really encouraged like midday showers and naps more yeah. than ever. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm up all night. I'll be Perfect. doing laundry at like 1 a.m. <laughs> well, we're so happy you joined us today. Uh, obviously, if you, you heard the intro. Uh, just uh, incredible success so far in stand up. And uh, of course, your your latest album just came out. It's fantastic. Baby Skeletons. I uh, loved it. Listen to it on yeah. iTunes, uh, streaming all over the place. And I think you can buy it on iTunes as well. Uh, one of the things that we, we really like to do is just hear a little bit about your, your journey in comedy. Uh, mostly listening to the show, uh, comedians, aspiring comedians, people earlier in their career really, really like this content. And so, uh, you know, talk about the beginnings of, of getting started. We'd love to hear that. And, and sure. hear how I got in this trajectory. Um. I mean, I'm from New York, so it's not like I had to move here and save a bunch of money. I've just been struggling in New York since I was born. Um, and then my mom had actually done stand up on and off when I was younger. So she kind of got me into it and then she stopped for a bit. Um, but I guess I was kind of at a crossroads where I was either going to go to law school or start stand up. And I was like, I'll just start stand up. Um, I don't know. It's not like a huge story with like, you know big things happening in it. It was just kind of, I started and 
I think having so much dysfunction in my family really let me be abused in the business for so many years without quitting. Um, So just to be able to, like most normal people just quit because they're like, this is terrible. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're just like working full time and doing stand-up at night. You're not making any money, especially for years. Um, And then, you know, you're just like, I was interning a bit and then I was barking, which is basically just yelling on the street at strangers and giving you know, flyers that they're throwing out or throwing on the floor to come to get shows. Uh, but it was better than like doing bringer shows. So I just feel like if you are a newer comic, stop doing them because you're not going to get better and your friends are going to hate you. Just don't do bringer shows. There's really no point. I think I've done one or two my entire <clears throat> career. I did one. And then the guy was like, great, let's have you back again. I was like, for what? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he wants me to bring more people back, like, the next month. I was like, oh, I can't do this all the time. And then I was just like, (laughs) and then I figured out, like, you know, open mics and just kind of getting up as much as you can in different environments. And uh, I don't know. That's kind of it. You're our first legacy. That's the first person. Well, the first person that said that their parent had done comedy and now you're doing no because she wasn't successful but but still i don't know i mean like you can't be unsuccessful like i wish she would have been successful and paved away for me so i would have had an easier time yeah i mean so like i'm pretty upset with her about it (laughs) she then waited for me to get successful and start doing it again oh did she really yeah riding your coattails like that what is so, so, so what happened um before you got your um your you debuted on last comic standing what led up to uh, before that happened what was happening in your career what what got you into that um, that opportunity let's see um so i was interning or answering phones i think at maybe stand up new york and there was like a real shady manager that worked there and i asked him to be my manager and that was like one of the only things he did for me was get me an audition at for last comic standing um and this is also the same manager that i took to montreal i have like a pretty funny story about my montreal where it was the last year before they started doing the unwrapped and he came up with me and he wrote up the day before with patrice and then patrice got sent back so he wrote up there with me and then he stayed in my hotel room with me and my boyfriend at the time he fucked a dude on my couch while I was sleeping and he was just the worst manager. Like he got into a fight during my set during industry night. And then he got into a fight with Michael Cox. He used to book like a Chelsea Chelsea's uh, was it Chelsea lately. She's he used to book that. Now he's the booker of, I think the tonight show. So he got into a fight with him during my set. And then at the end, he gave me a one person standing ovation. I mean, it was just the whole experience was awful. Like nothing about it was good except the story that I have now to tell. But like, so the only thing that manager actually did for me was get me that last comic standing audition. Yeah, well, that sounds like a uh, quite the ride with that guy. Yeah, he's bonkers. <laughs> I love that he just stayed in your hotel room. He stayed in my hotel room. Yeah, and then like while I was just sleeping in the room next door, he's just banging some dude on my couch. <laughs> and then talked about the... how he came buckets. I was like, "Hey, man, this is Bucket. my first. <laughs> this is my first like intro into the business." I mean, like he had the worst business cards to where I was like, "You have to throw those out. You can't give them to anyone." I think he called his company like Central. Center Square Entertainment, and there was a picture of a TV on it. 
It was just everything about the whole thing was terrible. He wore like Hawaiian shirts with shorts. Yeah, we'll tag his info in the comments. So if you want to, if you're looking you, for a manager, if we'll you're look looking you for Wayne, uh, <laughs> he also had a pretty sweet setup where he lived in Manhattan, somewhere where Manhattan was thriving. And he had, I guess, a two bedroom. So what he would do is make the other person, he'd get like a rich student whose parents were paying and then make them pay the entire rent, which is yeah. not like illegal or bad, but it's just, that was like the one smart thing he did. Good moves, good moves. Yeah, he's a schemer through and through. Oh, I mean, I respect the hustle. Yeah. And at, the, at the time, you just must have expected, like, this is just the industry. I just and, thought everyone's yeah. manager did that. Yeah. I was like, this <laughs> right. is what everyone's manager is doing to them. Everyone's boning people on your I guess. I, I was like, couch. I don't want to be the uncool person that doesn't let my manager bang a random dude in my apartment. You know, my hotel. In your hotel room, too. Like, that's pretty close quarters to be doing Well, that. I was sleeping next... That's the weird part, that I was, like, slept through it. I slept through his couch fuck. <laughs> Even through the whole bucket situation. That's... Uh, you must slept, be a heavy, I slept through all a heavy so, sleeper. I'm so grateful for a door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What was, was la what was the experience on Last Comic Standing like? Was that... Did overall, did you feel like that was a good launching pad that really kind of you got a lot of benefit out of it? Or was mm, it just kind of one of those things? I don't know. I, I don't think I went far enough in it. It was like, I guess, nice accolades or a nice little clip to have. But it didn't really, I guess it helped me get some more bar shows. Do you know what I mean? Like me and Tyra always say that it helps you get like booked on some more bar shows and lounges for free. Well, it's interesting. We've heard a lot from like people... Uh, like they say there was a change in like JFL over the years, like back in the day, it was like yeah. such a huge thing. It meant you got a development deal. It meant you were going to be on a sitcom or a, yes. it was, it, it was huge. And then now people kind of say, well, getting on JFL while it's still good. And I think all comics really respect it. It doesn't quite launch you the way it might have mm. used to. Yeah. This is like the new era of comedy at Montreal where you manager fucks someone on his couch it's not like the it's not like the huge development deal it's just like a dude um dude on your couch but yeah one day I one mean, day i mean i don't think yeah those development deals that money is not really there anymore but it does open up a lot of doors i think if you have good representation or it can allow you to get representation um and if you know you kill it like tim Dillon did like i think it starts a buzz for you and I don't know. I had a good time going and it was definitely, I'm glad that I was able to do it. Um, but yeah, I wish I didn't bring him, <laughs> you know, my manager. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool. That's it wasn't like a huge launching pad for me though or anything. I think it just kind of kept my name in the mix and people like, you know, knew I was doing that. So I'd get booked on maybe some more city shows and maybe I get booked a little bit more at the clubs. But like yeah. not on the road, just like in Manhattan and stuff. That just feels important for like younger comics to hear. Like, don't think that just because you get booked on one big opportunity, it's going to mean your career is going to explode and you're done working yeah. now. No. Like, that's just not how it is. I mean, and you, there's a small percentage of people that go there and probably still do get development deals or meetings that maybe lead to something. So it's not that it's out of the realm of possibility. It's just a much smaller chance of it happening. And also mm -hmm. me and Sarah also talk about like breadcrumbing where you just get like one thing every couple of years. So you just don't quit. Do you know what I mean? So you just keep going and going and going because you'll get like a little thing here and there. So that's yeah. I think how we've ended up doing comedy for so long. Because it's like if we just went eight years without 
getting anything. We might have just quit and had like happy lives now. I have friends that like came to New York and it, New York ruined her and she left and like she's so happy now and has like a house and you know she's engaged. It's just like, I don't know, it's just funny to me that like she quit and she was like, oh my God, it was the best decision ever. <laughs> Definitely not for everyone, I guess. You know, it's it's really a, yeah. it's a calling and a, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work. I feel like for the, <laughs> it kind of can feel like for the uh, advancement that you get, the work that you put in is so much more. You see other people in other lanes like, oh yeah, I went to went to this trade school and now I'm I'm happy and making money and everything. And we're like, every night of the week, I do open mics with crazy people. I, yeah. I'm scrambling to get booked on these worthless shows. Yeah. And I love it, but it is I'm like the progress sometimes can feel very tough. Well, do you feel like because you're in Houston and Austin's gonna blow up like when we come out of the pandemic, you guys I think will be a little bit more on the map how far he's yeah. from two and a half hours yeah yeah like that's great that you'll be so close mm -hmm. to that i think it, i think austin's really gonna blow up and new york and LA it's already are, yeah new york and la will still be prominent areas but i wonder if like industry will move to austin like will there be managers and agents there and it'll be interesting to see it seemed like nashville was too and then like a truck ran into the <laughs> into zanies oh yeah <laughs> it was over no, and they're like i'm going to austin this is weird <laughs> yeah yeah i heard about that yeah uh, it took out what's his face's mural right oh who did it take out i think you took N out nate, nate. Oh, nate oh, it? oh the hometown yeah. kid okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> had to re had to redraw him on the wall <laughs> yeah i'm sure they'll redo it yeah uh but yeah I, I do think we we do benefit and we get up there we, we went up there a couple weeks ago uh and and uh and it's great yeah i mean there's it's very obvious that a lot of industry especially now is going through there and i, I don't think that changes but i do believe that new york and la ultimately still end up where industry goes through I mean, yeah i think so too but i'm just saying i think austin will be like a really great place it's always been a good place to do stand up but i think it's becoming more and more prevalent as a place that comics are kind yeah. of migrating to do you see that cap city is coming back cap city yeah, has a I new location that. oh are they i knew they were coming back i didn't know they moved to a new loca location that's oh, awesome I, yeah i could be wrong about that i just saw a post and i thought they mentioned a different location they but might. um good to see that they're they're fighting back i was wondering if joe rogan like invested in to bring it back or something but they didn't say anything no i would i would think that if he was going to be there there would have to be some major club that he'd like to pop into yeah, sounds yeah. like he's starting one. Uh, so, so it's you've done. So you transitioned JFL, and it sounds like that that you got more going in within the city. Uh, at what point did you start uh, seeing the rest of the country doing 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 stages in in other markets? Um, when I did Letterman, I got booked a little bit more on the road, and then you know when I did the Degenerates on Netflix, I was supposed to start touring last year, like everywhere. It was like my first real tour. And I was going to tape a special at the end, <clears throat> the end of the year, and then COVID hit. It's like uh, I have the worst comedy luck. Yeah, yeah. That um, generates is great, by the way. I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it stood, it stood out in that season. I thought that's nice to hear because they put me last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I feel like I hope people tune out before they get to it. <laughs> um, I just think I wasn't. I was the least well known, so mm -hmm. I think I went last. But uh, yeah, that was a fun experience, and because of that, I was able to like start getting booked on the road to headline at some places and even opening for Ari. He's been such like a nice mm. person to me and so supportive. It's almost weird. Like when you hear people hate on him, you're like, 
And he's actually a good guy. Um, so he kind of helped me by letting me headline at some, uh, open for him at some places where they could see me. And then like I was supposed to headline at Cap City and he was trying to get me into a couple other places. So he also was helpful too. That's we, can we hear that. Yeah. It's, it seems like it can be a really good thing to, you know, when you, if you're a good networker, if, if someone who's a little further along and a little more recognized than you enjoys what you're doing and brings you along, seems like that gets uh, some people their start for touring and road work and stuff like that. Yeah. And he also released my album for me on his uh, podcast. So that was <clears> helpful too. His fans have been very receptive and it was just yeah. really nice. Yeah. Any, any road tips for someone who's wanting to start and get getting booked outside of their market like what what should you do if you're trying to start getting those gigs become famous <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um you know it's hard because if you're going on the road it you mean as like a feature or as a headliner if you're featuring it's just like you kind of have to have a trust fund you're not going to make any money you know and if you're doing it just for the experience that's fine but if you're you know an adult and have like kids and a mortgage and stuff. I don't know how realistic it. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how realistic it is to feature. I mean, unless you have, I guess a day job that kind of is nice to, and lets you take time off. But like, you know, people say back in the day, feature could like live off a feature salary. Now you just can't, you know, cause more of that stuff you have to pay for by yourself. So yeah. if you're, you know, even if you're able to save on airfare, you're still paying for gas and sometimes a hotel and if you're getting $75 $200 a show it's just like not really worth worth it you know i mean this this yeah. daytime is great but like i don't know if, as a feature unless you're opening for someone really big that's going to kind of pad your expenses it's just i don't know how feasible it is so i think that's why i've always stayed in new york and just kind of worked the clubs around here and i didn't do that much road stuff you know until the last couple of years and I, you know, I'd say too, it's encouraging. It, one good thing out of the pandemic is a lot of people now have this work from home where you can, you can sort of have a lifestyle, right? You can be from yeah. anywhere. And so if you are a comic or considering getting into comedy, uh, take, you know, put some thought to that, that now, now you can work from anywhere. Uh, being Pretty a feature doesn't pay dick. Uh, but if you, if you're funny right. and you connect to the right person, you can, you can do it even though it doesn't pay anything. Yeah. yeah, you're not doing it really for the money. You're doing it just for yeah. the experience and stage time. So even places you can drive to is valuable. Yeah. If You know what I mean? Like if you can drive two, three hours somewhere and drive <coughs> back the same night and not really have to pay for a hotel and stuff, it's it's decent if you could do that. And that's what I think. I used to live in Nashville, and that was a great central location. You can make it to five or six different cities. Houston's awesome. not bad. You mm -hmm. can make it to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and some things in Louisiana. So you can yeah. start, I guess, like, just trying to Branch make yourself your more of a regional. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Maybe, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait, you know, when you... Sometimes I've heard people that have not in New York so much because it's not as big of a headlining city. You know, it's more of like showcase where everyone does kind of like 15, 20 minutes. Um, but people have said on the road where they're like, you know, I see big headliners come in here and they've taken a liking to me and then taken me on the road. So that is a benefit too. If you're in the, clubs and someone likes you they will take you on the road with them yeah definitely so. that's uh that seems to be the way one of my buddies is the opener for uh nate bergazzi now and so like he awesome uh, Wait, who is it, just... justin <clears throat> aaron weber oh, okay i don't know who that is i thought he's on the i don't know if he justin. always opens for him but he um 
he's on the podcast, the Nate Land podcast or whatever. Oh, he nice. was just a, I mean, he was always getting booked around Nashville, uh, but he, and he was always like, obviously much better than I was. Uh, Cause I, I still was brand new there. And right. it's just cool to see him go from like, kind of like, not like open micer in a negative way, but you know, just a local comic yeah. to just boom, he's on a national platform. And it's so cool to see that. That's happen. really cool. Yeah. So stuff like that happens and that's encouraging. Yeah. Well, the good news for you, you've been in the New York market. Uh, obviously we're about to watch a clip at the, at the cellar. So you're, you're past it. I would assume a lot of the big clubs, the cellar is obviously one of the biggest clubs yeah. in the country. Uh, and actually, can I ask you, uh, can you share a little bit about the experience? I know Esty's a tough nut to crack. Uh, do you remember uh, auditioning and being passed? I do remember auditioning. Um, what was my, I think Russman Neve, I had opened for Artie Lang and a show. And Russman was like, hey, are you past at the cellar? And I was like, no. He's like, I'm going to recommend you. And then he did. And I auditioned. I was very anxious just because, you know, I was never one of the people that just hung out at the cellar, like before being passed. I don't know. I just never really did. I went a couple of times. Um, you know, and I had a good set and she passed me. She's always been really like nice and kind to me. Um, but I do get that, you know, you want to do well in front of her, you know, and you want to impress her. But she was always really nice to me. Um, I don't know. I don't have like a terrible story about that. Just yeah, Montreal. Yeah, yeah, she's always been really nice. And she's also like if you um, she's also pretty helpful. Like if you ask her stuff, she'll give her like insight and stuff. And people who have not passed the first time, she'll have them come back. So she's not just like, hey, if I don't like you the first time, I'll never see you again, which is right. And she's and she's never hooked up with anyone on your couch. Uh, just to no. check. Okay. No one on my, <laughs> no one else has ever hooked up with anyone on my couch except my manager. <laughs> well, it's a good time to uh, to turn over to writing. Uh, the one of the things we ask all of our guests, Adrian, is uh, really open ended. Uh, how how do you write comedy? Um, you know, I was never one of those people that could just sit down and write for like an hour. You know, it turns into like drawing very quickly. So like, I just can't sit down. And, and right, it's just like if something funny happens, I'll kind of use maybe like Twitter or Facebook. I used to just kind of test jokes out. Um, and then like from there, I would kind of try them on stage. And we're, they had a couple of shows that were like new joke shows where you could, the seller had one and the stand used to have one too, where you could kind of, the audience knows that it's new jokes. So there's like a low pressure situation and you could just do five to seven minutes of new stuff. And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't like, it doesn't, it, that's what it's there for. You know, there's no like, added pressure to kill, but, you know, doing well helps. Um, so shows like that are really helpful. Um, and then too, I would think like if you're headlining, you could do some new stuff in between other stuff, you know, work. So I don't know. I've, I've never really just sat down and like written, I'll just have something come to me and then I'll either put it in my notepad or on my phone or just maybe like tweet it. And, you know, it's like PC culture, coming down so hard it's getting even harder to put stuff on twitter without people taking it seriously so i've even stopped putting some stuff on there where i'm like well without context you don't really get who i am and that this is a joke so some stuff i don't put on there um For sure. i've done some zoom shows during the pandemic and during the summer and the nicer weather i was doing outdoor shows um but yeah like zoom shows it's it's another tool like i know you guys have a Mike, and it is another tool just to kind of, I don't know that you're staying as sharp because there is nothing like an audience, a live audience, but it is a tool, you know, to use while we're just doing the pandemic stuff. 
Yeah. Are you a talk, talk to your jokes, talk your jokes out loud to yourself and work that? Or what do you do to, to, once you have an idea, how do you get it to the next level by yourself? Um, I kind of on stage, I can work out a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, or sometimes I'll have a group of friends and we'll do like writing sessions with other comics that I like and trust. And we'll just give each other like some ideas or a tag or so like, that's, that's also helpful too. If you have a couple of friends that you like and trust their comedy opinion, run jokes and ideas by people or even say like, Hey, is this an idea? And they'll be like, yeah, maybe this angle or that. So, uh, I'm not really like a talk out loud person. I find a lot of stuff that comes to me in the shower, I guess, because it's so silent in there. Um, yeah. So like, I'll think of stuff like that. Or I know people say that if they're at the gym, they're able to think of jokes. And When it comes to those writing groups, I've been in a couple and it seems like it's very easy for them to devolve and not actually be productive. What What about your writing group keeps it productive and, and good? That's a good question. Um, I think keeping it small, you know, like usually two or three people, not like if it's a bigger group of people, it's easier to get sidetracked and little conversations break out. Um, and sometimes too, in those conversations where like they devolve into other stuff, like you could still get comedy out of that too. Like, sure. I don't know. I think this is such a weird time right now that it's like any interaction with people is valuable, even if it's not, (laughs) even if it's not like, you know, you start out with this one idea and it kind of went in a way you didn't expect. It's still nice to just have that like companionship and talk to people. So, I mean, yeah, you could try and bring it back and be like, all right, guys, let's, let's get back to the joke or something. But sometimes comedy comes out of the derailment. I thought I was thinking I'm an ideator. I had a good idea for our mic just from what you said, Adrian, it's like, maybe we do one drew where it's just like a work, not a workshop for ideas as opposed to, you know, just having people around sets and uh, with some of the people, like you said, that we trust their comedy opinion. And there's several people that come through that. I think we can invite to that. That's great. Yeah. That's, that'd be cool. Like if you um, have a couple and like too, some people don't want any feedback. So, you know, I've heard people do mics where they're like, we offer feedback at the end and people are like, I don't want your, I don't value your opinion. You know what I mean? So they're like, I'd rather just run my jokes and see how they do. So, you know, you have to have people who are open to doing it. That's true. It's the, to the idea. There's different types of comics for sure that are, that you yes. want to work with. And, and there's some lone dogs out there that just want to lone wolves, just want to do and their own thing. I have a friend that like, I think I've given him a tag and be like, you should use that. And he's like, I never take tags from people. Cause then I feel like the joke's not mine. It's like, that's kind of how it works in a writing room. You know, like you all kind of work together and I don't know, it's still your joke, but like, I respect that's his process and he doesn't want any feedback from people. So. Yeah. I I love taking tags, but also, you know, it's always tough because it's in, sometimes it's in someone else's voice and you're like, yeah, that's a great, that is a great tag, (laughs) but it never come out of my mouth. It would never. Right. I mean, you could say that too. You could say that's really funny, but it's just not in my voice. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it. I think I love the collab part of it. Behind the scenes is one of the most fun things when it when it works. Yeah, it's just you know staying like trying to keep comedy sharp. I guess comedy is so it's so know, is the scene there. Everything in Texas is open, right? So yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, it's so it's so competitive. Uh, out you know in the in the room in the mics and all that stuff. It's nice to have some collaboration because it's it's cooperation, yeah. right? And so it is. It does feel good when we're actually working together on something for once. Yeah, it's like even though people think everything's so competitive, it's like, and I guess it's corny and cliche. It's really you're really not competing with everybody. You know, like 
I don't know. Every, there like, is room for, there is kind of room for everybody, you know? So it's like, you're not compete, competing to the fact where like someone won't want to give you information or it's so yeah. weird, like not to be com like, to be so competitive where you're just like scared and hold, hoard everything like toilet paper during the pandemic. It's like, well, there's, <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you're not going to work that club 52 weeks out of the year. So it's weird not to, I don't know. There's just like, there's an abundance of stuff out there. I don't know. It's just weird to have that mentality. Like, I don't want to share this with someone. And that's how we are. I mean, that's what we're doing here, right? You know, we're, we're taking our time. This is a lot of, we pay ultimately to put this together and yeah, it's for the ben course. benefit of all comics. And so yeah. um, we try, I, Drew and I both sort of have the philosophy that like, yeah, look, you know, lead with kindness and, and try to help people out. And that comes back around. And that's, that's, I think it's been good for both of us. Yeah. And some people you can't help. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're just right. toxic and awful and you're like, all right, man, you're out. But for the most part, most people are decent. Peace so before, yeah, they're comics. It's a lower bar. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> when, true. when it comes to, before we get to your clip, mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to talk about what, what do you do to prepare for a set or what do you do those last minutes before you step on stage? Is there anything you do to get prepared? prepared um, in those ways i might just look at like a set list um just to kind of refresh what i wanted to do on stage and i mean when i had taken off comedy for like five or six months during the pandemic those set notes were really valuable right because like i hadn't been on stage in so long so just kind of looking it over and seeing what jokes i want to hit or what tags i want to add and sometimes still i'll even miss it you know if i don't have a set list on stage with me but right after being like cooped up in the house and going on stage for the first time i was bringing set list and everyone gets it yeah do you do you like we've had different people have different opinions so before you go on stage are you someone who likes to mix it up in the green room or find some solo time to prepare your head or like, mean, what do you do before i don't mind talking to somebody you know uh before but like not maybe the five minutes before like you know even 10 minutes before it's like i want to just kind of get in my head and see what i'm doing yeah and just go over it a little bit for sure. I think there's some, there's something about like, it's weird to pop up on stage when you're not feeling a hundred percent prepared sometimes. Yeah. 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 And I've done that too, where like I've driven into Manhattan and looked for a spot so long and I just had to run in and you're always like a little bit frazzled, you know, just cause you don't have those couple yeah. minutes before you just kind of go through your set or what jokes you want to do or yeah. So like I do value like five or five minutes maybe before just to kind of go over it. I think a lot of comics sure. do. Yeah, I, I want that time and I I make a set list for everything, <clears throat> even though I might may or may not stick with it. I yeah. If I don't have a set list, I feel like my memory is going to fail me. I'm terrified of just getting up there just totally blanking and being like, I wrote some jokes, I'm sure of it. I just can't think of any right now. Yeah. I I like set lists. They're I also like keep I keep my old set list and it's fun to go back and see how the how how they progressed and what fell off and what came in. Yeah, and sometimes too, you'll be at a place in your career where you'll think of an idea and you just can't get it to work. And then like a couple of years later, you're like, oh, I could figure that out now. It's just going, it's always like, just keep those jokes because you never know when you can go back and just make them better or be able to figure out how they work for you. Yeah, shout out to the Sean Patton episode, a big chunk about not killing your babies, as he says, oh, holding yeah. on to those old ideas. Don't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird you, you feel like i've been in a show where some of my best jokes are not working and i'm like 
you do get protective like they're your kids and I, it's almost like you don't even deserve them so now I'm just going to open my get the rest of the show yeah but yeah I, they are like your children where you're like protect them <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and queue up the clip. Th- this isn't the actual audio from from Baby Skeletons, right? From your new album? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't believe so. Okay, but there are there, I did recognize some of the jokes from some the, of the jokes are yeah. Okay, so uh, this is at the Comedy Cellar. I think you said a few years ago. I'm gonna go I ahead. I think three to four years ago. So that's when my hair was still really short. Ah, uh, you growing it up. Okay, cool. Let's play the clip. We'll yeah. come back. I travel a lot. I like to do this thing whenever I get off the plane. I like to make the seatbelt really tight so when the next person gets on, they just feel bad about themselves. <laughs> I've lost some weight recently. I can tell I'm getting closer to my goal weight just because I got into a fight with somebody recently and they didn't call me fat. <laughs> like the guy was like, you're ugly and a bitch. And I was like, is there anything else you want to say to me? And he was like, I hope you drop dead. I was like, that is the sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me. My weight's gone up and down my whole life. I had a period where I was like super thin, then I got really fat, and I'd run into people and I have to explain to them how it happened. But I just found myself explaining it the same way a parent explains how their child went missing. I was just like, well, none of us expected this to happen. We're all very upset. But we've saved all of her clothes. And we've kept her room exactly the same. We just hope she's gonna come back. There was a story the other day about a teacher that had sex with one of her students. And it happened so often that I think we have to ask men, what are you doing that these women are being swept off their feet by 13 year olds? Because at some point, I do think it's your fault. (laughs) You tell a girl you're going to call her, call her. You know, that's the thing. When these kids say they're going to be there after school, they're there. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) They don't make you wait to meet their mother. (laughs) I don't know. But that, look, nobody becomes a teacher because you want to sleep with the kids. That's not why you do it, you know? But you just, you get your heart broken a couple of times and you're like, well, Tommy does listen to me. <laughs> I just got out of a relationship myself. I'm, uh, I'm starting to date, but I could tell I'm a little bit rusty because I went to tell a guy I wasn't into casual sex, but instead I said consensual sex. <laughs> He was just like, cool. (laughs) I used to play lacrosse. (laughs) We were together for six years. That's a long time. You don't realize how much you miss somebody until you're going over the George Washington Bridge without their easy pass. (laughs) Like $15. Maybe things weren't that bad. We used to fight a lot, though. We got into a fight one night, and he told me he was going to kill himself. And I was like, great, now I won't be able to kill myself or people think we were in love. (laughs) 
He used to snore really bad too. Like I would just watch him sleep at night and be like, I wonder if I hit him in the face with this hammer, <laughs> how much time I would get. <laughs> so I looked it up and it's worth it. <laughs> I think the hardest part about getting away with murder is not being able to brag about it to your friends. Right, you're at a party, your friend's going on about his promotion and you're like, I'm doing stuff too. <laughs> I don't know. As a woman though, this is the best time to be alive. Like I'm glad I wasn't alive in the 60s. I also just think I would have set women further back. Just cause it's like so hard to offend me. If I was working in an office in the 60s and some woman was like, you know what? These men can't just call us skirts. They gotta have been like, I don't know, we're wearing skirts. <laughs> I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm just trying to get hit less at home. Uh, being called skirts like the least of my problems. I gotta work on that casserole. My ex-boyfriend never hit me, but I could tell he wanted to. Cause anytime we got into a fight, he would just destroy the whole house. One of our last fights we got into, he ripped a ceiling fan down. I was like, dude, just hit me. <laughs> I was like, I can wear a long sleeve shirt for a week, but I cannot go a whole summer without a ceiling fan. Uh, good stuff. Do you like watching your own comedy from three years ago? No, <laughs> that was the worst. Um, I also was like, in a stage, I think right there when I was doing comedy, like nervously laughing at my jokes after. I was like, oh, that's so brutal. I'm glad I don't do that anymore. That was just the worst to watch that. You're like, oh, because you don't even realize you're doing it until you see a video like that. I'm like, oh, that's the yeah, that's a great that's a great reminder to like video your sets. I get so used to audio recording to check mm -hmm. and listen back. But video, I know that I'm not. I know there's a million things I need to probably stop physically doing or start physically doing on stage, yeah. but I never watch the video, so I never know. Yeah, I was like, just watching that, I was like, ugh, what a terrible clip. Why did I give this to my <laughs> No, it's, it's awesome. The, <laughs> I like the jokes, of, but I don't like yeah. uh, delivery or your post delivery. I don't like the laughing after where I'm like nervous. <laughs> well, you, yeah, because you, you have some dark stuff and it, it really hits harder when you just play it straight and like lean into it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess that was like a phase where I was like uncomfortable. Like it's like an uncomfortable tick. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just grateful not doing that still. Yeah. Good that to have thing. that awareness. I would build yeah. that awareness though. And I think, yeah, I was like, oh, that's so brutal to watch. Now I really want to go to sleep. <laughs> that nap's going to feel great in a minute. It's going to be amazing. I love, I just love the angles that you find are you, uh, it's so funny because the some of the like te the teacher having sex with the student, you know, a lot of people have jokes about that. I've never heard that angle before, um, and also the um, he didn't say I was fat and the and the clothing oh, with the kid missing. Happened. That actually happened. I did get into a fight with a guy because I was, I think, throwing my dog poop out and like someone else's garbage and it's like well it is garbage but it's also funny that like, that actually happened and like this guy followed me to my house oh yeah, he's like how's was... that couch looking <laughs> um 
yeah but then like my boyfriend came out and i was like you can't hit him he's like 70 <laughs> you know what i mean and, like he drove away but oh yeah the bronx is like that you could get into a fight with anybody <laughs> sure. at any moment and, and you just you just made a mental note that he called you a lot of things but he didn't comment on your weight yeah. and that felt like a benefit it felt like a win <laughs> i just thought that was the funniest thing to me after is like oh my god that's pretty awesome i yeah. wasn't even mad <laughs> and i think you take the missing kids bit for the clothes even further in, in yes. baby skeletons it's, it's kind of progressed and there's more to it and i love yeah. where that goes too it's such a great angle like i think that's what maybe that's what makes I don't know, me really love certain writing and certain comics is they take something that we all experience and that point of view is just skewed enough that I I didn't I never saw that angle and it keeps it fresh. Oh, thanks. That's really nice. Well it works. Uh, I think the, the, it, most, the most obvious example is the airplane. All, all comics have an airplane joke because they do a lot of traveling and like yeah. you hit you hit that specific angle that nobody's hit and super relatable to me. So I don't know if, if like somehow you hit me personally and I'm, I'm curious if you do this to everybody because you hit me, I'm a lacrosse player. So I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know, someone, I'll, I'll offend someone on something and like not even like offended in a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like yeah. I'll have someone say like, I was fine with the school shooting jokes, but like the pedophile joke was too much for me, Yeah, which is weird to me because like, I don't know, school shooting, like <clears throat> kids are dying. Like there's no comeback for that. Like, I don't know, like, it, I don't know. Of course, like it's awful R. Kelly did, but like there is a way to come back to that. Like if you're, at least your kid's not dead. I don't know. Yeah. But you got me like the seatbelt thing too. You got me, I used to be heavier and I couldn't fit in a seatbelt sometimes. Like Adrian, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Like, cause yeah. whenever you get into it, like an airplane seat, it's always smaller. So I wonder if people are just doing that also. It's just funny. Or you like want the person that was there to think you were thin. I don't know. It's like such a weird thing, but from traveling a lot, you kind of got that. And then the, the, the what Drew is referencing where the kid gets lost, the old man is lost in Disney World. Like I got lost at Disney World. So like you somehow you just, you always like hit, hit like me personally. And I just, I don't know if you do that to everybody, but it really brings me, it sucks me into your, your bits. Maybe. I think some, I think it depends what type of comedy you like too. Cause some people yeah. are really offended by everything. Like I put <laughs> that, that missing kid yeah. joke out on, uh, I guess it was Twitter and somebody was like upset about it, but their profile picture was them at Disneyland. So I'm like, well, I get <laughs> why you don't like this. Cause you feel attacked as a 50 year old couple at Disneyland with no kids. That's the weirdest to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't like, I don't, I know you didn't like that. You were kind of like chuckling here and there about your jokes, but I, I got pure pleasure out of the moment where you did the lacrosse joke and you got like a few groans in the audience. And then there was just a moment on your face where you were just like purely happy. I think you were, yeah, were you happy? I those mean, groans made you happy I a little bit. So. I, I guess there's always a little joy in that for me when people are not into it. It's a weird, uh, I mean, like I get not everyone's going to be into it. You know what I but mean? it's like fun I, when it not it, the entire crowd was groaning, but there was a, sure. a chunk of them, and that that's yeah. you're like it's funny, and I'm kind of glad that those but people these, yeah, are. These yeah. people think it's funny, but these people do not think it's funny. <laughs> or they're a little upset by that, or maybe they were all lacrosse players. Who knows? Yeah, what, I, I'm assuming that was when like there was wasn't there a news story about a lacrosse team or a sports team that had done some done some stuff. That's the thing too, is like, I'm the worst with knowing what's going on in the world. So I had a situation where I did a school shooting joke where a shooting was not that far away from us. 
So, oh, so yeah. you know, I had to start Googling, was there a school <laughs> shooting in <laughs> Naples? Like just random places where I had to start doing that, where I'm like, I got to know what's topically going on. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to ask about that. So obviously you mentioned it earlier, PC culture, you like to get into the dark. Me too, by the way, I, I enjoy that space. That's why I really enjoy your comedy. Uh, but uh, do you, what are some things that you have to be considerate of in this in this new era, if you will? I mean, I think putting stuff online sometimes is a little, especially if it's just words without an actual clip that you can see it's at a club or something and it's a joke. Mm-hmm. That to me seems like the only thing where, I don't know, sometimes putting a joke online and people take it seriously. Like, so I've kind of stopped putting some things on there where I think they're going to get like, you know, cause people are like, they like tell on you in a way where they'll get like report you or stuff like that, where people don't like a joke and they're just, I guess it's like tattletaling, you know, like they just don't <laughs> like what you're saying. So instead of just blocking you so they don't see your content, they'll go and report you. So like now everyone can't see that one content or that one joke or something. And then if that happens enough time, enough times, then you're like locked off of Instagram or whatever that you wasted time building this audience. So it's like, I don't know. I just on stage, I'll say whatever I want because I don't care because that's like a club. But sometimes like if I'm putting a joke up without audio and they don't know it's a joke, I'm like, this could be misconstrued and uh, I might not put it up. That's encouraging uh, to just be like, look, you're on stage. That's a sacred place. Like, yeah, on stage, if you're offended, that's like on you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you came to a club. uh, But sometimes I guess on even though you'll post something for your fans or your friends or whatever, like people will share it. And then other people who, you know, other people are seeing it now and then they're upset about it. So I don't know. I kind of tend to just put stuff out that I'm like, okay, if it's not as bad or they're not they're gonna realize it's a joke you know but i have also been able to build by after i put the album out by just doing i don't know some stuff online and once i did the outdoor shows i was able to like take a couple of those jokes and put them together and weave them into a bit so it is helpful too it's just kind of knowing you know what's gonna like get people upset and possibly get you flagged is it worth losing this audience you've tried to build up um but on stage, yeah, I will kind of say whatever I want because they are at a club. You do have to. One thing I'll quickly say, <clears throat> Drew, is uh, the other, like it was last night, two nights ago, somebody came up in a newer comic was just like, hey, abortion, son. But you really, I mean, you have to give them a little, that was his opening line. And it's like, you have to give them a little bit of something about yourself before you can just dive in or you're, they're going to, you know, yeah. Lose. Or if you're trying to just, I think like Chris Rock will dig himself into a hole to get out. He can't. Yeah. It's, you know, I've done that, not just like opened up abortion jokes, but a joke that's like too dark for them and they don't expect it. And then I've struggled the next 15 minutes. So yeah, yeah, there is something for giving giving them a joke up front that like eases them in. But I also get like not caring about that and being okay (laughs) with digging yourself, like putting yourself in a hole. Comedy is a weird balance like that, but I, I like mm-hmm. what you, I like your point of view though. It's like, there's some places where it's okay to just be raw and you, and there's some places just realize there's consequences and you got to make a decision. Like, is, is this joke on Twitter worth people? Getting uh, do you banned. know it's, yeah. Is, is it, it worth doing that? It's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but there are consequences also, you know? So like yeah. if you're on Twitter and 
some mom reports you and it's a joke that is very offensive you're like well i kind of got that and i deserved it even though you're like well you should be able to say whatever you want i do believe that it's like i do also get it is weird though because on twitter you could just watch hardcore porn Dude, yeah, like right? i've been surprised where you're watching you're just going through your screen you're like oh there's two people fucking right there and then you're yeah. like i'll say some words and people are offended by that and you're like well i just watched somebody like fuck someone on someone's account it's like that's such a bizarre thing where that's okay and words aren't um and i don't think that it should be like that but i also recognize the world that we're living in you know i don't think you should be canceled for saying words um especially as a comic but i also realize like they're you know i had a friend that had a pretty decent twitter following and i don't know why he got banned but he's banned and now those you know 20 30 thousand people that were following him are not following him on twitter anymore so yeah well, that's I, don't a detriment agree, to your well career. I don't agree with it i do realize that there are consequences so i just try and be a little smart about it well just like any comic you got to read the room that's part part of being a comic is understanding your audience's point of view a little bit because you're you're writing jokes for them and you're creating content yeah. for them so that's there's two sides of the coin is you want to be true to yourself, but you also have to realize who is consuming these jokes and how they're going to feel about it. Yeah. I mean, I ultimately feel like I'm writing jokes for me and I want people to enjoy them. That's like how I think of it. I'm not like I'm writing this yeah. joke for you, but it's like, That's this true. is what I enjoy and I want you to like it. But if you don't, I'm also okay with that. Um, yeah, that's but true. yeah, you do need a balance of it because if I'm only writing jokes for me and I'm the only one liking them, I'm not going to make a living at it, you know, like <laughs> it's true. So I other people have to like too. it, but yeah. yeah, it's so it is finding that balance where you're like, well, this is what I think is funny, and let's see if I can make this a little more relatable so everyone is like in on the joke. But sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, I've had people yeah. leave a show angry and you know, rep like literally report me in the room. You know, so. <laughs> That's crazy. You come out to a comedy show and then you don't like, like you weren't so, expecting a any, joke. Any place I've worked at where someone has not liked the joke, the place has always sided with the comic, though. Like the places yeah. that I've worked at, like, you know, Acme's really good about that in the cellar and the stand and even New York Comedy Club. Like, you know, I've had people, I don't know about Acme, but I've had other people at other places just be <clears> like offended and tell, you know, the manager or something and you know, they'll always be like, well, the comedy is subjective and we yeah. understand you didn't enjoy that. But, you know, that may just not be the comic for you. Yeah. And isn't it always kind of like alcohol induced a lot of times? Like you're, the audience is a little trashed and they decide, yeah. you know, you're not thinking as clearly as they would if they were maybe a little more yeah. sober. I think also because of all, this, all social media, it has made everyone's voice count and like not everyone's voice does count <laughs> your voice some some voices should not count <laughs> yeah like i even i have like that line where i'm like everyone has a voice but not everyone should be heard like you know what i mean like not and i think because of social media everyone thinks they like have a voice and also people have so much like they have instant like connection to you so like so you know back in the day you couldn't reach out to like you know, Andrew Dice Clay or someone, but like now you can, you can go into their DMs and it doesn't mean they'll necessarily see it, but you can say whatever you want to them. You could have, yeah. you could have, you could pay Dice to do a cameo for your girlfriend on Valentine's day. That's yes, what... <laughs> you can do that. That's what a crazy world we're living in. Yeah. I tried to see if OJ was on there, uh, <laughs> but he's not. And I love him, even though I do think he killed those people. I still love him. Like, <laughs> 
I love him. He's just great and make a gun. No, no. I just, I love somebody who just doesn't give a fuck. Like, of course, I think what he did was wrong. And I guess I, I have a joke about him, too. So that's why I want to reach out to him, see if he would do it. But I don't know. <laughs> like, it's like that R. Kelly joke I have. I think what R. Kelly did was awful. But I'm still listening to, like, the remix to Ignition. Yeah. That's right. yeah. And I got, like, yeah. a, I think out of all the jokes I've done, people have probably come the hardest to me over that, over R. Kelly jokes. Mm. That's what I've gotten a lot of people upset about. All those girls are over 18 now. It's okay. Well, I also, when people are upset and they're like, why are you making fun of them? I was like, I believe I called them heroes in the gym. I was was not making fun of them. But yeah, everyone has access to you. So like people just write to you and tell you how much they don't like you. And you're like, all right. Right. It's good and bad because like the access you have to connecting with fans and and, and creating a a following and 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 a whatever is awesome because of the internet, but there's always those crazy people who just want to be mad about something. They're, yeah, they're out there. If you want to be mad about something, go on the internet. You can find so many things <laughs> to get like worked up about and mad about. Like yeah, there are people the that pandemic. choose to get mad about. Yeah. I did think during the pandemic, like PC culture would die down a bit because you're like, Oh, well we're in this pandemic and people are dying and like the economy is tanking. And then I think we were in the house so much, people just got more politically correct. They were like looking for places to be outraged instead of just ignoring it. Yeah, which I mean, probably. Weird, which is weird to me. It's like, just don't like it. I don't necessarily love country music, but I don't think people shouldn't have access to it if they like it. Right. I think that part of the pandemic, you know, maybe I'm not a super political person, but I would think that like maybe it kind of has grown some extremist type thinking because you're just trapped. And the thing you're doing the most is just on the internet. You're not having as many personal interactions yes. and getting out. So you're just in, if you, if you look at social media every day, all day, you're going to lose your mind. That's insanity. You're going to lose your mind. And you know, you just start getting swept up and I don't know. I just think I see the process of people go like how like the super left just influences people to go to the right just for like freedom of speech even though you don't necessarily align with everything they're saying so it's like yeah i don't know it's, it's a weird place in comedy i think uh sam Merrill had a funny joke about like the only people fighting for freedom of speech is like racists yeah. and comics yeah so <laughs> i didn't see us a, come together on this one or something yeah like that. <laughs> it's a really funny joke but also you're like wow that is a very good point like sometimes it's easier to perform for an audience that's all the way to the right as opposed to all the way to the left. It's just like we align politically, but like as like socially, it's just like crazy that you can't see these things are jokes. I don't know. There's a pretty in in Houston, like as soon as you leave the Beltway, it's a different market, right? It's that simple. You're in the city. That's that's probably a lot of places, right? When you're in the city, you know, and uh, when you get to the right, you know, they'll, they'll laugh at things where you're making fun of the right. And the laugh of things to make in front of the left, but in the city, it's it's so it's it's you have, you have to tread carefully in some in some cases, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's just interesting, and uh, I think like this last election really divided people, where people didn't really, yeah. and they always did care like about politics and stuff, but like everyone got so riled up about it. But I also seen a lot of like people pandering, you know, who are like, I hate Trump, he's a racist. And I'm like, well, didn't your husband say he wouldn't let your daughter date a black dude? Like, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of that too, where I'm like, it's very ingenuous, like disingenuous. And I don't know. Yeah. I kind of. Yeah. It, yeah. And you'd probably be on the road. You've probably seen that for years though. Like different markets have such different 
uh, makeups of people, types of people and, and coming from different worlds that maybe you've, are, you've always seen some jokes hit harder in sure. some locations versus others. I think the only thing the right really gets upset about, I notice is like they hate abortion jokes. Like they will <laughs> even take you trashing Trump, but like they hate abortion jokes, which is hilarious yeah. to me. <laughs> um, it's very important. I, it's just, it's funny to me, like what their line is, but like you perform in like a super left. I like, I, I did a show for Planned Parenthood and like I did a joke about a, the morning after probably thing and they were upset about it. I'm like, this is funded by like <laughs> Planned Parenthood and not that Planned Parenthood only does abortions and it does like right. a lot of, you know, women's health care. But it's like that is a part of it's just weird. You're like, I'm actually endorsing your product and you're still upset about it. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there is no spokesperson for plan B and maybe there should be. Uh, maybe it should be me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, and get into our last segment. We do it to our comics. We're not just Sorry. isolating you. Yes. Be, be, I'm going to play a quick graphic and then we're going to get into last laugh. Okay. It's so strange. Um, okay. So, so you got one joke. Speaking of Twitter, like it's out there forever. This is the one joke you put on your tombstone to be remembered by. Oh, Adrian, what do you got? But it has to be like a short joke, right? Because it's it even, on... Nah, it can be whatever. It doesn't have to be yours. This is, this is how we play oh. this game. I don't even know. I have no idea what my joke would be. Mm. Um, <laughs> I might be stumped. Can you guys just pick a joke for me? I would think it would be something about how, maybe something about how you got beat or killed by your boyfriend. Kind of like tie into that somehow. <laughs> it might just be my suicide joke. Yeah. Yeah. From there you go. There's like a, maybe on top of your, your uh, headstone is a ceiling fan or something. <laughs> and, and tie in there. Wayne would be at your funeral. would be the only one giving a standing up. <laughs> Oh my god! He had, he had sex with someone on your tombstone. I wouldn't put it past him. I'd be like you know what, you could use that. I'll bend you right over the tombstone and bang you. That would be less offensive to me than when he did in Montreal. To be honest. I hope he's not a listener. Uh, I sorry, Wayne. He's so narcissistic. I don't think he does anything outside of himself. To be honest. So I, I popped up the the album uh, Baby Skeletons. Like I said, it's iTunes and it's, I think Spotify and all the places you can stream. And then please, please, please pay for it and do what you got to do to listen to it. It's fantastic. Uh, I, but you I, could also listen to it on Ari's podcast for free. And if you want to donate, you can. Pop. If you want to, I've had people donate a dollar. I've had somebody gave me a hundred bucks. Like it's just, Woo. I think people do whatever they want. And some people are listening to it and not doing any donating anything. And that's also fine. I get it. I'd rather more people listen to it. Excellent. And I pulled up your website. You can get to, I think you can get stuff, stuff about the album, some other stuff about booking mm -hmm. and all that stuff on your website. If you're not yeah. <clears throat> uh, Listen to Veg, Veg podcast. Yeah. 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 Very funny Sarah Talamash. We didn't get yeah. Houston girl. Houston girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. By way of it's South really Africa funny. and and friend of the show. She was on, on season one and y'all do a great job with Veg. So uh, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Honey. That was a lot, for having a, me. a lot of fun and some really great perspective. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We going to get out of here. Follow us on Breaking Down Bits and all the social media. Get to us at BreakingDownBits.com. We out. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.